You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over <laughs> at Sir Lucian Gaming, hanging out with his Tolis on the background. Uh, I've been watching some Tolis videos, and I am getting more and more jealous of that. That I, I don't know if I want a $120 book, but I kind of want a $120 book. Uh, how are you this morning, sir? Good. More question, do you want a 20-pound book is yeah, that's, like yeah. the question. Like, I don't know if I have a shelf. Like, <laughs> no, I'm doing good. Good summers. Uh, yeah, that's way too heavy. <laughs> Felix is looking pretty big in some of those pictures. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's mostly just fluff, though. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, no, yeah, summer's hitting been going good we're in that transition of stuff going on there's been so much news and then all of a sudden this week it didn't seem like there was too much um your video tried to stir up a little controversy i don't know if what? you got anything I'm back not on stirring that controversy seemed a little controversial did to me did you read that article though no oh i watched i watched your video okay yeah yeah so no the article <laughs> is kind of interesting it. i i uh and so for those of us who don't who don't know uh, uh. chris perkins published basically like a blog post on uh, through Wizards of the Coast on their website for D&D. And it just kind of said, hey, listen, going forward, we, we want to talk about like what, what we consider canon so that you guys don't get overly angry when it's like, well, this doesn't match this thing of Faerun or this doesn't match Ravenloft XYZ. Um, and it was, a, it was a good read. And he, he very clearly kind of outlines like what he wants to do. Uh, or what Wizards of the Coast is doing going forward, um, and I made a I made a video about it because uh, though I'll be honest, those are the videos that kind of get likes, and I just was like, I want to <laughs> I want to check it out. Uh, but it, it's news that I think people should know, especially when I'm running a lore channel. Like I'm not talking about every piece of controversy in the the D and D space. There's no room for that on my channel. But this was about <laughs> lore, so I wanted to talk about it. Uh, and more or less to summarize it, they are going to treat their properties like uh, Marvel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I kind of, mm -hmm. I, I, the more I thought about that, I was like, that makes so much sense because uh, the problem, well, let me back up. So the problem is, is that Forgotten Realms is a living world. And I want to compare this a lot to comic books. And, and Lucian, you read comic books, don't you? Here and there. Love them. Yeah. Yep. So superhero comic books. We'll just pick... Uh, uh, Doctor Strange, my favorite comic book person. So Doctor Strange gets a writer and they make a series of Doctor Strange stuff. And then that writer's like, okay, I'm going to leave. And another writer comes on and he's like, I don't really like that Doctor Strange does uh, this, or I don't like this character. I'm going to like change it. I'm going to do all this other stuff. And so he changes it. But he's still essentially Doctor Strange because Marvel looks at all of the writing because it's their property. It's not the property of the writer. So he's looking, they're looking at all of this and they're just like, this doesn't work, but this does. This is quintessentially Doctor Strange, but this doesn't work. Or you're like, hey, I want to make Doctor Strange into uh, a rhino that flies around, uh, not with a cape of le levitation, but a jeep of le levitation. And then they mm -hmm. would stop you and say, mm, that's not Doctor Strange. Like, he <laughs> has a cape, it levitates. These are the things that we we have established that make Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange known as Canon known as Canon. And that's where we're getting confused <laughs> yeah. because right. in uh, what they're basically saying is in the forgotten realms, fans are saying 
if it's in a published book, it's canon. It's canon. So yeah. they're saying like all this R.A. Salvatore stuff, all these Ed Greenwood novels, all these uh, whoever wrote this book, the James Lauder wrote this book, uh, The Ring of Winter. If mm. it was published, then they're basically saying, or fans are saying, uh, well, that must be canon. And then yeah. now we have these fifth edition adventures that come out, and they're just like, well, these fifth edition adventures are breaking canon because. This, when does this actually happen? And everyone's really confused. Uh, and so Chris Perkins said, that's not canon. We're going to throw all that, not throw it out. They acknowledge that it exists, but they're going to say going forward, uh, the three core books, not the adventures for fifth edition, just the three core books, the player's handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Monster Manual, those will be canon for fifth edition. And if they ever make a new edition, then they'll have you know, carte blanche to do whatever they want with that. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's really interesting to, to have that take. Mm-hmm. And the way I was thinking of it is then you could do a really cool spinoff. Like they do it all the times. Like the, the, you know, to- Dr. Strange in the, in the movies is very different from Dr. Strange in the comic books. And like, what if Dr. Strange in the comic books dies? That doesn't necessarily mean that movie Dr. Strange doesn't die. Like he can still have mm-hmm. different kinds of adventures and all this other stuff. And I was equating it in my video to the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in the comics or Magneto's children, but in the movies, they they have a different origin story, but it's it's those characters that are important. And I think Hasbro slash Wizards of the Coast is doubling down on their characters, which has been evident in, um, you know, they just released Dark Alliance, so we mm-hmm. want Catabri, Brunor, uh, Drist, Guinevar, like... They don't want to lose those characters. And if we allow Forgotten Realms to be a living world that evolves and changes, well, they're going to just die of old age. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, so, liked, I don't know. I liked your analogy on that one. The the Scarlet and Silver Surfer one I thought was pretty good, Quick but Silver, I really... Yeah. Quick oh, Silver. Silver Surfer too. Yeah, that's right. I talked yeah. about it. Um, but I thought the Spider-Man one was maybe a little more on yeah. the point of where you were going, where because yeah. they, they have rebooted with different directors the same character yeah and nobody's quite sure if they're in the same universe if they're not in the same universe yeah there's three different spider-men yeah, at this but point nobody's angry. they show up yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and i shouldn't say nobody but i wonder well if i'm sure they're yeah yeah because oh, yeah. there probably are but like i don't see everyone hating on uh spider-man far from home Right. Because of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. They're just like, right. that doesn't fit in with this. I'm going to boycott. I'm not going to watch it. It's like, no, it's a fun movie. Go enjoy it. And that's yeah, yeah, yeah. how they want you to think of D&D. Like, I, I'm boycotting Icewind Dale because of all this other stuff. How does it? No, it's a fun adventure. Go buy it. Go play it. If you don't want to, don't do it. That's fine. And you, if you have your own personal reasons. But yeah. to have a reason of it's not flowing canonically and stuff. And I think this is how they're going to change uh, Drow lore. I think they're going to yeah. update it in some way. And, and that's think... probably the bigger controversy because people are all upset yeah. about, well, the Drow are evil or the Drow are this. Or... And I think originally TSR days, their blood was mixed with demons, which is another reason that they're very evil because they yeah. were trying to create their uh, house line stronger, create their bloodline to be mm-hmm. stronger. So they decided to do that. It's just like, well, you're, you got demon blood now. That's not good. Like you got to, you got to have evil to fight. That's the whole game. You got to fight evil. Something's got to be evil. Um, <laughs> but the idea that you can be redeemable, I think, is uh, sure. what they're trying to push. So, and also, Chris Perkins made a great point, which is the whole reason I started my channel. So it's kind of funny. 
uh, people are overwhelmed to run a game in the Forgotten Realms because they yeah. don't know the like 8,000 year history. And I don't know it either, but like I started my channel because I realized that there was a, a, a niche for that. Like somebody probably mm -hmm. wanted to know about, you know, what happened in 1292 DR and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, I think the comic books, they tackled it early on the right way. And I'm, and I'm just surprised Wizards of the Coast hasn't done the same thing. They have a company that's partnered with them that does it right adjacent to them. And it's multiverse option because mm -hmm. that's exactly how Marvel handled. If you have Dr. Strange who all of a then sudden is gender swamped or yeah. a, a different person or is a kid in this one, but is an adult doctor in this one, there's a lot of different universes in Marvel that you can point to. There's Marvel 616. There's, you know, all, they have the actual universe laid out and sometimes they bring that stuff together and they make it this. So that's how you could have Spider-Mans that are very different when that whole comic book series they did with the spider verse, you know, was that whole, there are multiple yeah. spiders. They can, there's anime Spider-Man, there's noir Spider-Man, there's all this stuff. You can have all of that. And that's what they, I think they need. So what they needed was you have eighties universe D and D you have 2020 universe D and D they're all in the multiverse. Sometimes they can come together. And as a dungeon master, you can pick which multiverse world you want to run your game in. And that means I don't have to justify how um, Dragon on the Mount fits with, um, you know, a Borderlands, you know, or a Borrow King. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some Tell type of Temple adventure. Temple of Elemental Evil or something. Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't have to explain why is there no Temple of Elemental Evil anywhere near that. We're here at Dungeon Mount. I can't find the temple. <laughs> You're like, that doesn't have yeah. to exist. Yeah. You and it's so... I don't know. And it was funny. I got a lot of comments where they're like, this works for comics because comics have uh, multiple universes or timelines or blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work for D&D. &D. And I'm like, who says D&D &D doesn't have that? It like, could work. You, you're just yeah. saying like, oh, well, they don't have that. And, and I was really blown away because I'm like, is that all you need? You just need them to be like, there are multi-universes yes. in D&D. &D, and then you're fine with it. Like the prime Plainscape. material plane is actually an infinite amount of, of multiverse. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, and, and I think it's because they shy away from this whole fifth edition. We've talked about this a lot. They've shied away from Planescape a lot. They've shied away from describing a lot of different planes like they used to. And all of a sudden, everything kind of seems like a one world and it can't be connected to Eberron and it can't be connected to the other things. And they're really touchy-feely about it can't connect to the, the some of the uh, Magic the Gathering settings they put out. They're just on their own. Instead of just embracing the idea that there's multiple worlds and their universe, they are creating a multiple universe or multiple worlds or multiple planes or whatever term they want to use, but they're not embracing it. It's like they're always hiding from it. They're never mentioning it like they used to. So in some ways I could see how the argumentative portion of our, of the community would say, well, they're actively telling us it's not multiverse because they're always shying away from it. They're never embracing that idea in anything at this point when it seems like the most logical thing to say, and they do say it in some ways, they're like, well, your world is your world and my world is my world. That's the concept right there. And if they push that more, I think then that that kind of canonosity thing goes away a little bit more. Um, and I'm sure Matt runs into it when people play Wild Mount or whatever. There's, he's made a 
concerted effort when that book came out, Matt Mercer, to say your world is yours and you get to do whatever you want in it. And I want you to do whatever you want in it. It doesn't have to be mine. It doesn't have to follow my timeline. You can if you want. But and that to me is what's missing from the current writer. And I love Jeremy and I mm-hmm. love Chris and I love that whole team. So I'm not somebody who you know downs on D&D every chance they get. I love the team. I just feel like they haven't really come out and embrace that as much. Yeah. So it leaves room for dissension, you know, when they could just quash it. But that's what I was thinking when I was watching your video. I thought, yeah, you're dead on the Spider-Man analogy or Star Trek analogy because there's been several directors that have done Star Trek. Um, You could go the comic book route. You could go the book route. There's lots of people that wrote Conan books and there are different types of Conans, you know. And don't get me wrong. Like, I love the idea that the Forgotten Realms was evolving with exists. Well, no, <laughs> yeah. like that, that you had, you know, first edition and then, and then we had, uh, the time of troubles and that explains why yeah. all of these second edition things were happening. And then, uh, and then Oliver runs in with a glass. Hi, Thanks, Oliver. <laughs> don't don't um, drop that. <laughs> but you have all of these, uh, all these, uh, uh, sorry. And so then the spell plague, like a lot of people don't mm. like the spell plague, but it was really cool for what it was because something happened and magic was changed forever kind of a thing. Yeah. And I liked that idea. And obviously the fans didn't like it. So they went back to how magic kind of used to work. But uh, when I say Some a living forgotten realms, <laughs> that's cool. Eberron never did that. Eberron doesn't right. have a living world. You always play two years after the thing. And so Eberron feels more of here's the fourth edition reboot for Eberron. Here's right. the uh, fifth edition reboot for Eberron. It's just mm-hmm. Eberron, but with these new rules. Whereas Forgotten Realms was trying to justify why do we have new rules, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I like the idea that what the Forgotten Realms was trying to do, but in hindsight, it's if unless you're planning out a 30-year realms with an ending, mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think you can keep doing that because they're trying to justify things that authors made, you know, in the 1980s. Yeah. And it's like, it just doesn't, I don't know if this works, but everybody likes Drist. I don't want to lose that IP. And so they're yeah. really, I think that's the direction they want to go. But going back to your Matt Mercer thing, uh, he also said, you know, like your game could have the Mighty Nine, could not. Like, like maybe you're the Mighty Nine, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like that idea of just like, uh, we always talk about the realm, or I hear a lot of criticism about the realms, where it's like, well, why am I an adventure trying to save the realms? Why isn't Drist saving it? Why isn't uh, why isn't uh, Elminster butt, saving it and all these other people? <laughs> and it's like, well, they're either busy or maybe they don't exist in your realms. Like, those are yeah. the heroes of the books. You're that the heroes of this game. <laughs> but it's fun to run into Jarlaxle and you yeah. know that character because of the Drist novels. But yeah, yeah. so I, don't I know. see that's the thing I think you miss too is that if you don't tie some things together, then you miss out on the crossover moment when that character steps into the scene and you're like, oh my God, we're watching a Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. but Black Panther shows up for 10 seconds or 20 seconds. And you're like, yeah, yeah Black Panther's here. You know, you're just like, you're going, cra-. that's what made Avengers and all of that so crazy is because they brought 
all these separate things together. And that's what Wizards of the Coast could be doing is they have all these separate things. And then every now and then you could bring them together for that big moment of, yeah. oh, my God, Drist is here. What is going on? The Harpers are showing up in force yeah. <laughs> and all the Harper books. And you're like, what's the the Red Wizards of Thay have yeah. just entered the field. And then what you guys are like on? fighting alongside your heroes. That could be really yeah. cool. Yeah. But if, if we go with what he's saying right now, only those fifth edition books are canon. Then Red Wizards of Thay, we don't even know what the canon is on fifth edition Red Wizards of Thay because they've not told us anything hardly. We've got yeah. little snippets. And no canon on Red Wizards of Thay unless we go to previous versions yeah. or yeah. we just make it up on our own wholesale. So I feel a little wishy-washy on the whole thing. I do too. I understand. Like uh, I talked to Ted about it too because Ted yeah. made another video about the same thing. And he's like, I'm confused. And I was like, it is confusing. They're yeah. being ambiguous on purpose, which I find frustrating but I understand why they're doing that. Like, yeah, <laughs> they I don't get want it. to commit to then have them have you yell at them yeah. later when they break that commitment. So, yeah. but it is frustrating that they're being kind of ambiguous yeah. about. This and I get it. it so. It's not their fault that in the eighties writers wrote about certain things and wrote adventures in certain ways, and they yeah. they did tropes. They did um, um, some of them kind of terrible things like oh, yeah. we, we wouldn't do now right you know we wouldn't we wouldn't concentrate well, so much the, on colonialism or yeah. we wouldn't concentrate so much on a slavery angle yep. or we might not concentrate so much on a race war of some sort now like maybe we handle those subjects more sensitively and we have a better understanding now of of the community and the world we live in now which is different mm. why you would get mad at chris or any of them because of that stuff makes no sense at all. And it's not their job to fix what happened in the eighties. Mm. It's not, you know, part of their job title. They're just here to make games. And if they want to change something, then change something and say, we're changing it. We're here in 2020. If you like that in your game, you go keep it in your game. If you and your players want to have a heavy emphasis on how that eighties game was and, and whatever trope that was or whatever stereotype that was, and you're all happy, you're not hurting anybody else, then you guys go or you you guys and girls yeah. go do that. But we're making games for a lot of people, so yeah. ours is going to be a lot less of what you're yeah. what you're doing or wanting. It's that same argument I hear about comics all the time, where it's like it's really yeah. awful when new comic authors write these classic characters in a new way, and then they also break down your door and burn your old comics so you can never read those again. <laughs> right. Like, all of the material that Wizards of the Coast has made, or uh, TSR yeah. and stuff, is available for purchase on PDF and stuff. They want you to buy that. But, like, yeah. they're just saying we're not, we're not tied to it going forward, you know? Yeah. And so and you're I, right. If you wanted yeah. to make a cool... Uh, like, I have that fourth edition Menzo Berenzen book that I want to run. Mm -hmm. Like, the drow are going to be evil in that campaign. I don't think my players are going to be evil. Like, my player drow are probably going to be like, do we, like, take down the yeah. matriarchy? Like, yeah, the, thing? the campaign is we live in an evil yeah. empire. What happens when yeah. we don't want to be a part of that evil empire, but we are fully in that evil empire? There's We, we grew up here. Our friends are here. Our family's here. They're all part of the evil empire. What do we do? <laughs> mm. If you want to run a campaign like that, that's going to be a tough one. There's going to be a lot of crazy, you know, things that could, that could go, could happen, but you could explore that. And to me, campaigns are about exploring ideas and exploring what you as the dungeon master and your players want to do, not just one and not just the other. Like it has to be kind of, you both want to do it. Yeah. But if you both want to do it, if me and, yeah, I, I want to explore that kind of, 
um, storyline with you, then yeah, let's do that. And I want to clarify, uh, Genghis Galahad, uh, yes, Marvel doesn't come and burn down your comics. That was the joke, is that <laughs> it was people the feel like they're, they're <laughs> reacting to the point where it's like the... Yeah. You're you're basically saying that old stuff doesn't uh, isn't relevant anymore, isn't this? And they they feel hurt by it. The stuff and I understand I love. that you feel hurt because you love it, but it yeah. it's still there. And that was my argument: is like nobody yeah. is ever taking it away from you. We're not book burning. <laughs> we're not doing this. Like the old well, lore still exists. Not. It's just like yeah, you know, if they want to change Drow, they're going to change Drow. But like, hey, those old stories are still there. They're all anyway. But. I did like in our Twitch chat here. It also said, and in another universe. Uh, Jordan's daughter brings him a glass of wine. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> Olivia? What? Yeah. What are you doing here? How do you have a glass? Oh, too funny. <laughs> uh, but this conversation got me thinking the a uh, couple yeah. yesterday and uh, this morning about um, what kind of supplements do you like in your Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, because, like, off the top of my head, we have, like, adventures, like, full adventures, you know? Mm-hmm. You have little, mm-hmm. like, one-shots and stuff, too. Or you have a collection, like, Candlekeep. Like a mm-hmm. candlekeep was a collection. Do you like system neutral stuff? Like that could be Hot Springs Island. I would. I think. I don't know if I showed you, Lucian, but I have a, a system neutral hexagon desert crawl that I found that yeah. came with tiles. Yeah, and you put down the tiles, but it's all system neutral. But it has like the the camel necromancers of the desert who have undead camels mm-hmm. that carry all their cargo back and forth and just fun little things like that, but there's no stats in it. Or do you like player option stuff? And obviously players will probably like that, but, or I guess yeah, I should yeah, just yeah. say lore books in general. That's another one. But oh, those are good if too. you were going to, I mean, we're talking about writing this cliff campaign that we're kind of putting yeah. together the best we can. And a lot of me and you have been going back and forth and asking ourselves, well, what kind of supplement do we want out of this? Because the I, I, I am a firm believer that you should make stuff that you want to consume and buy because mm-hmm. odds are somebody else will want that too, you know? <laughs> Maybe not everybody. It might not be a market bestseller, but at the same time, like it's it's like I really like this, and I've always approached my videos like that too, where it's like I make videos that I want to watch. Mm-hmm. Um so what do you like? Like it, this got me thinking too, because I'm like, I don't know. Like, do you want a full adventure? Yeah. Do you want just I, help? Yeah. Like I like campaign world books for sure, especially if they tie into some other pop culture thing that I know about, or a campaign book that when I pick it up, it's very compelling world that they've created with enough meat to it that I can really dive in and find out all the different things that are going on about this world. But it's also a world that has plenty of mystery and plenty of other stuff. And I'll give you an example. Monty Cook's Numenera is a campaign world that when you read it just traps you in. You want to know everything about the ninth worlds that you can find. And you want as many books about the ninth world as you can find because you're just so interested in what that world is. Maybe not because I'm going to run the game and I'm going to run everything by canon or anything like that. But as a dungeon master, there's so much going on in there. When you're reading Tolis, there it's so big and it's so full of stuff that you have the ability to dive into it and keep diving deeper and deeper if you want. You could read the first 20 pages, put it down, and run a Tolis campaign of all the stuff you wanted to create. Just use a couple of the things it mentioned in that first 20 pages and move on. Or you can dive into page 357 and keep using that piece and 640, whatever, you know, you can go deeper and deeper and deeper. So I love a good campaign book 
and I want player options. (laughs) So, but that's going to lead to the one thing that everybody gets mad about. I'm not one of them, but a lot of people get mad about bloat. A lot of people get mad about there's too much options or there's too many things going on. It's too complicated. I am never that complainer. I am never the one who says we have too many player options. We have too many classes. If we had 74 classes to choose from, I'm still on board. Mm-hmm. I'm still there. And if each one of them had three subclasses and you could mix, I'm still on board that whole thing. Now, I know many other people won't like that and would hate that. But those are the two things that really get me. And Storm King's Thunder was really good because it went deep into the Forgotten Realms if you wanted to. But it was like three sentence, four sentence deep. So when you heard about um, some of the towns, Silvery Moon or, or um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. What's the one that sits in between Waterdeep and you're heading up to Silvery Moon? There's a Yarder, I think, is the one there. Oh, yeah. Like another Yartar one. or you something. Get, <laughs> yeah. So you get another four or five sentence thing on that one. So you get to understand what that is and some of this other place. I love that. I love the idea that if I want more, there is more for me to go find. I don't like a book that's so thin and you know there's not going to be any more of them that you don't have anywhere that you can dive deeper. So I want a book that's a campaign setting with the option to dive deeper and then player options is, is where I'm at. But what, what about you? I mean, you're a lore guy. You run a lore channel. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because you, you say you say you basically you want like adventures, like but lore, open world stuff and player options. So that's like three, three books in one. Everything. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but no. I really like Storm King's Thunder for the same thing. And uh, doing our cliff thing, I've been, excuse me, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, what is the word? Um, Hex crawls. Yeah. And I really like the idea of hex crawls, and I don't have it with me, but I bought a hex crawl thing the other day for OSR that I've been reading, and uh, it's really fun. Um, With the idea of a hex crawl, uh, exploration is kind of the key thing. Mm-hmm. And I think um, when I, the player, well, I, sometimes the dungeon master knows what's going on, but when I ran Hot Springs Island, that was a system neutral hex crawl where when they got to an area, I would roll dice to see what was happening. And then we would all have to like make it up on the fly. And it was, it was really fun to not know what was going to be around that corner for mm-hmm. me as the dungeon master. So I, I think I like a setting that's lore and history, but I like it that it's system neutral because sometimes, uh, I don't know, perfect example, Numenera. Like, Numenera is really cool, but what I if I don't want to use the Numenera rules? And yeah. uh, Monty Cook's been doing a really good job. They've imported a lot of that stuff into 5e because they realize that the market is 5e and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But but at the same time, it's like, man, that world's so cool. Like, I wish I, I but I just don't really want to play Cypher. You know, mm-hmm, I really want to mm-hmm. play this. And I'm running into this right now where I don't want to, uh, I want to run games using my module D6 thing that I'm trying to write. Yep. Well, there's lots of worlds out there, but like I have to, you know, take them and things like that. So I've been taking a lot of OSR stuff. Um, oh, we lost a subscriber because I made, made people upset. <laughs> you made them upset. <laughs> You're out, buddy. <laughs> Bye, subscribe. We'll see you soon. You'll come back. Well, maybe. it happens. Uh, I can't make everybody happy. Um, but I like the idea of that lore and history and world, and then I can take that and kind of shape it into what I want. Now, Storm King's Thunder has a 
very strong directional, uh, you know, story arc. And there's a reason. Mm -hmm. There's kind of a snippet in the middle where you're just kind of exploring and doing whatever you want. But I think that that should have been in the Sword Coast Adventures guide. And so I could have yeah, bought yeah. the Sword Coast Adventures guide and gone this way and that way and all this. Other I stuff. find like that that module is almost like the Sword Coast Adventures guide because you learn about the mm -hmm. ordning, you learn about there's like all of the 200 different cities and towns and things that are all around that area. You mm -hmm. learn about just the, if the forest has a name, you hear something at least about it. What's there? A little snippet. Now, it might not be more than a sentence or two, but it's enough to say, here's a playground. You decide how you want to play in the yeah. playground. And no, your Revenar game, I feel, is the same thing. Yeah. Um, because you had your base and you go out and do stuff and come back. And to an extent, I, I really enjoy... Uh, uh, not to an extent, I really enjoyed Ghosts of Saltmarsh for similar reasons. That also mm -hmm. kind of has a long-running campaign, but really it was like, where do you guys want to go? And like, you had your home base and things like that. So, yeah. I don't know. There's like stuff like that I just really want to explore more. So, it's weird because I think a lot of people like to come up with their own lore, you know? And it's like, give me uh, player options, give me a book of tools. I need like yeah, a million things you find in a restaurant or I need a city builder or I need a forest builder. Yeah. And then I'll incorporate that into my game with my lore. Um, and that's all fine and dandy, but I almost like the opposite. And then I'll come up with the player options. Like I like yeah. the idea of like, I will build <laughs> spells. Like that's, yeah. for me, that seems easy. Like I'll build a bunch of custom spells for you or you want a magic item? Like, I'll make a magic item for you. Or you want to play this weird type of druid? Let's build a subclass. Uh, and But I, I just want, like, a cool world to play in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, again, I don't have the, the PDF with me, or the file with me. <laughs> I wish I did. But I bought this thing, and I think it's called Nightland. And it's an OSR, or Old School Essentials, uh, campaign setting. And it's got a little little, like, city. But the idea is that the sun has gone out. And everything is in darkness on the world. And so the, at the very beginning, he says, like, this could be another plane that your players go to. This could be, like, one day they wake up and the sun literally just goes out. And everyone's like, what's happening? And they have to deal with the aftermath of it. But there are factions. There are different types of people. Uh, there's, like, a solar cult that goes around, like, hunting little pockets of sunshine to, like, preserve the light. And I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> I want to play in this. And so I'm trying to adapt that for my modular D6 game. And right. it's like, you know, it's OSE, but I can I can still figure it out. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Right. And I, I think those are all, <laughs> you buy lots of OSR books. So I have been sense. lately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. Those are the types of things you want because those are the things you, you typically buy for sure. Um, I'm okay with like Magic the Gathering books. I'm okay with... Um, more option books like I'd love more monster manuals, really. I yeah. I would not have been opposed if every year they came out with a nice big monster manual style book, even if they just called it monster manual one through six at this point. Yeah, I wouldn't have cared because that's something that everybody can use in their adventure. And it's something that can drive your imagination and creativity is when you see the artwork matched with a player block or a stat block and a little bit of history or what they might think. And you can take it and turn it. You can say, no, you know what? I like this picture of this thing. I'm going to make it this other thing. Yeah. Or I can use it the way they have it. So I wouldn't mind stuff like that. No, but. and that's the best inspiration I think you could get. And uh, Sly Flourish, I'm a big fan of him. He did a whole thing where he read the Monster Manual cover to cover. 
And he said, he's like, I have infinite amount of story ideas now. Because yeah. it is, like, you read you read about this monster, and then you read another one, you're like, oh, what if they're best friends? And then, all, you know, all of a sudden, you're, like, putting together a huge thing. And uh, rather than building the camp, building the encounter or the campaign, and then looking for the right monster, I think you just need to casually read the monster manual, and you'll develop mm-hmm. the right campaign or the right thing for that monster. And so I really like that. Yeah. Or for that... Yeah, you'll use that monster in a creative way. Yeah, and I think uh, it's the combination of the artwork and a writer together. Yeah, they're they're combining their superpowers, right? Because you can have somebody who can write something really evocative and really cool. You can have an artist do something that's really evocative and really cool. And if you can put those two things together, boy, you're like peanut butter and chocolate yeah. or peanut butter and jelly that? or whatever your favorite peanut butter and whatever. <laughs> and I don't know if it was Tomb of. Tomb of uh, what's the codex? Uh, Cobalt Plus. There's Creature Codex and oh, Tome that's of the Monsters. One I have. Is that what it is? Yeah, I have the uh, Tome of Beast. Tome of Beast. Thank you. So I can't remember if it's Creature Codex or Tome of Beast two, but uh, one of my favorite monsters in that is a demon lord who's a frog known as the Collector. And his whole idea is collecting souls and artifacts and things like that. And he has his own demiplane in Avernus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Celeste Conowich wrote that. But that is the perfect example, I feel, of the artist and the author really combining to create something cool. Because that picture yeah. perfectly encapsulates that creature. And then the lore behind it is that he was just a frog that somehow fell into the river Styx. And because of the weird evil energies became sentient and is now a demon lord yeah. running around. And I was like, that's so cool. And I, yeah. I love the monster. He's really difficult. And and so in my mind, I'm like, I want to build a whole adventure around him. And so yeah, my example of that is the Fiend Folio cover, the art of the Gith Yankee. Yeah. And then you flip to the pages and you read about the Gith Yankee and the Gith Zarai. And you're like, oh, my God, these things are out there and they're in a war with the Illithids and oh my God, there's like spell jamming going on and there's all kinds of stuff. But look at the artwork. The artwork is just crazy off the hook. That's that's the perfect thing, I think. I want more of that stuff. I want more fiend folios. I want more of those kinds of things too. So yeah. I guess I want it all. No, and really that's the, the thing answer. is I do too. But like I, I think about, <laughs> I, I guess a better question is not like what kind of supplements do you like? Because I like all of them for different reasons. Which ones don't you like? No, it might be a smaller uh, list. I would say like which ones do you want to uh, make? Like, yeah, so because we're talking about this and it's like, well, me and you have been talking a lot about we want there to be player options. Uh, We've been I've been thinking a lot about lore. Like, why does this even? Well, you have too. we were like, how does this even exist? You know, and so we're trying to figure out, like, what happened that there's a giant cliff. Um, And so but we also like to make up our own adventures. So I think a lot of uh, think the more we we write about this and the more we talk about it, it feels like we're going to be like, well, no, here's here's the playground. Just go, you know. Your, your goal is to get to the bottom for whatever reason, and then you guys make the adventure from there. So, yeah. Yeah. Super yeah. fun. Because that's what they'll do. They're going to take it. They're going to have their yeah. idea, whatever Dungeon Master runs it. And they're going to want to, you know, they have some idea in their head that goes, oh, my God, that's such a cool idea. And what if when they go this far down, this thing happens? Because that's really what it's about, right? The only it's, – it's a feature, and the, the mystery is what happens when the players decide to go down – 
in what happens to them. That's all of it right there. You know, it's how, how is yours world going to be that way? What's, what's going to happen in mine? Are they going to find layers of civilization? Are they going to run into new races and new, new thing is the underworld doing something? I was writing in just like um, campaign hooks, trying to think of some cool things. What if something's coming up and they're meeting something coming down, then mm-hmm. what do they do? You know, just all of the, all of the cool things that you could do with a very prominent feature that flips the world on its access a little bit. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you're not on a level playing field. You're on a vertical, like you say, I like the word too, vertical hex crawl. Cause I don't think anybody's yeah. done that. Yeah. I love the idea of vertical hex crawl, just those ideas. So those are all been, those have been pinging off our, you know, our heads all for the last couple, probably the last month we've been talking about. Yeah. It. Really good. So. Trying to wrap our heads around it. I've got so many writing <laughs> projects. I just yeah. contacted Lex to help me with one of them because I, I told him, I'm like, I'm never going to finish this project unless I get help. And he's like, oh, I'd love to. That sounds awesome. So he's like <laughs> helping me write some stuff right now. Um, cool. But let's talk about uh, your games, some Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Or is that the only one you're playing in slash run? Yeah. You're not running run right now, are you? No, it's, okay. I keep wanting to, but then work has been pretty crazy. Yeah. I think um, I need to cut back on some of my games too. I was thinking, yeah. I was like, I'm just not going to get things done if I yeah. keep playing every week. I think once the cold hits i'm ready but right now i can go out to my pool and go ride the motorcycle i can get outside because we were inside for an all a whole year anyway so i'm trying to do more of that stuff and i'm just working more just to just to get in a better position anyway so it was like a lot hasn't happened but dungeon mad mage has been great because it's a nice big full-on dungeon delve is what i want we're getting to be a higher level so that's super cool i did come across normally when we would bring these up back in our old shows. Um, One of the reasons we would always look to talk about something is not just that we're running a game and talk about our game, but something that happened in it that you think would generate a discussion. And something happened in this last one that I thought was interesting. And it's being in a terrible spot in the initiative order. Ooh, yeah. So our wizard, um, everybody rolled initiative, and he's in the middle, and he's in the middle, and then right behind him is... Uh, they were bullywugs, and they had um, weapons that could make you roll if they hit a constitution save. And if you failed that constitution save, you were paralyzed until the end of your next turn. And, and then they could just attack roll. you again and paralyze you. And now, because they're in the initiative order right by, and there's nothing. And so our wizard missed that constitution save every single time. He spent the whole combat paralyzed and not able to do anything and i just thought wow does it to me i would walk away from that with a bad taste even as the dungeon master because even danimal was kind of like man i'm sorry that they just but you know seven of these guys are going to shoot their bows at you or whatever because you're where you're at and you have no way to not be there anymore because you're paralyzed until the end of your next turn what do you do is is that does that an indication that initiative is broken is that an indication that paralyzing a player to the end of their turn so they can't do anything, is that broken in some way? Can you not paralyze a player? Should you never paralyze a player? I don't well, know. It really then, started making me think. Yeah. What's the flip side of that, though? I've had lots of combats where the monk stunning strikes a creature, and then the entire thing goes by, and it's like, well, at the end of his next turn, the thing's no longer paralyzed, and so then it, like or no longer stunned, so then the creature wakes up, but, uh, you know, the 
wizard puts it to sleep or something like re- immediately yeah. before it can even act and it's like oh yeah okay. and the players so, will do it for sure yeah yeah, yeah and yeah, they're yeah. just like that's so cool and it's like yeah so it has to kind of work both ways um that's interesting though uh i'm in a eberron game on fridays that we're streaming on kugo the mighty's twitch channel mm-hmm. and eventually we'll have the stuff up on um youtube for you guys to watch if you're interested uh but he's doing an initiative I've never done before. So he rolls initiative for the monsters. We all roll initiative. He takes the averages, I think, and then it's we eat, we all get to go or the monsters all get to go. Um, so in that case, we don't have it. And so in that round, I would be like, okay, uh, let that wizard roll his save at the very beginning first. And yeah. it's like, oh, he missed it. Well, then the other players can be like, okay, how do we help him? Or how should we move him? So you you can kind of, you're not deciding what you do, but the group is collectively deciding. Uh, this isn't perfect because we run into a lot of problems where it's like, have I gone yet? And like other people are just like, I don't know, is it my, do we go? And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I try to be, I try to jump the gun and say like, okay, I'm going to go here. Like, can you help me go over here and help me do this and stuff? Yeah. Uh, side note, these people are the most anti-fighting D&D group I've ever been in. <laughs> We've gotten into so many combats where I'm like, all right, I pull out everything and I'm going to cast spells. And then they're like, let's talk through it. And <laughs> oh. these, the last game we played, the monsters were actively, and I say monsters, but it was like some uh, halfling and some warforged and stuff, but they were actively assaulting us. And we still somehow talked them out of not fighting us. And that's with Zix the Goblin running around hitting them with <laughs> stones and stuff. And we're just kind of like, wait, what? So it's really interesting. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's a, yeah, initiative is weird. So I was so. wondering about, yeah, because it gets locked in. It's almost, there's no real abilities that change it once it's happened, I don't think. Yeah. I can't think of a class that you can do anything. My mimic um, class. You could. can hold <laughs> your action, but holding your action seems like you don't, then all of a sudden because you're waiting you don't get to do all of your things. You only get to do one thing because it's off your. It takes up your reaction, and you have to. So I wonder if initiative is a weak point in the combat system, um, and if it's something that I'm sure there's lots of people that have uh, created other styles or other ways. I was thinking about re-rolling at the beginning, um, or like you said, uh, it's like an all or nothing. One side goes, your side goes, and do you get it all done? Um, do you mix it up? Or I've seen other ones where it's like. We played in a game where it was by um, actions, right? Who's going to yeah. cast spells? Who's going to move? Yeah. Who, and so know, then it's declare, like, declare, I'm going to move. I'm going to do this. These people And do I'm going to cast a spell. This, the, yeah. And then all movement happens right now. And all melee attacks happen here. And then, yeah. And so you know that if I say I'm going to do a ranged attack, well, mm-hmm. so-and-so could move into or right out of you. the way before that <laughs> happens. And it's kind of yeah. interesting. So a different way of doing yeah. it, or at least a way to break the, I think the monk's stunning blow is broken. I think that is a broken yeah, mechanic. Strike is, yeah. I don't think, I know the players love it. Anybody that plays a monk is going to want to do it and they're going to want to play it, but chain stunning something over and over and over. Just, I think what there should be diminishing returns on some type of a stun. So yeah, the first one hits, but you get a plus on your save. The next time you roll it, you get another plus on your save yeah. to the point where at some point you cannot be stunned. Yeah. Again. My body it's is just, now done. immune to this done. power or something. Yeah. 
So it's um, not going to happen for six in a row, you know, or seven times because we fought in that, in that combat. It was a big combat. It must've been a full seven or eight rounds, maybe almost got to the 10th round somewhere in there, seven, eight, nine. And imagine if you're the, you're the wizard, you're there for three hours of your game. You miss that one roll all seven times. There's nothing you can do. I mm. mean, it's just, I just, I didn't think that was a very fun mechanic at that point. So I, I in my mind, I think in Revenor, when I'm running my campaign, that's something I would probably switch. Um, or I would try to do like a diminishing return, or I might pull out, stunning strike i've pulled out certain things and give them something else that's cool that they could do maybe talk with the player and say okay stunning strike is just going to screw everything up i get it let's come up with something that you like that's cool you'll love to be able to do through combat that's going to can take the place of that yeah even though you won't have that but you'll have something cool and we'll work together both of us and come up with something really cool that you're going to like also so you're like can i do a flying leap kick thing with that does this and this and has and be like yeah that sounds super cool let's let's have that be your ability instead of stunning strike and for my creatures i'm not going to do over and over over stun 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 and you can't do anything to or just change that one thing your roll happens at the beginning of your turn not at the end of your turn yeah so you're not already lost You already lost the turn you got hit. Why make him lose the second turn also? You know? Well, you didn't lose the turn you got hit because you don't get hit on your turn. But you could. You could get hit before. Well, yeah, but then that's the turn that you've lost. So I I guess the way you phrase it is that I lose two turns. And it's like, no, like... Like, I either go, and then I get hit, and I lose this turn. And yeah, that stinks if you roll, and then you lose turn, lose turn, lose turn, lose turn. Like, that's the yeah. chain that we are talking yeah, about. It, yeah, once you lose the first one is when it happens. Yeah, yeah. That starts the chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another interesting uh, initiative that I did, uh, I did a, a basic fantasy game. I've never played basic fantasy, but it's this open source OSR game that I got invited to. Uh, and... He was like, oh, yeah, we do popcorn initiative. And it was just like he threw that out like everybody knew that words. And I, and I was right. like, what the hell is popcorn initiative? So they had to explain it to me. But this I really like is uh, one person decide. Nobody rolls initiative. You just decide who's going to go first. And then and so let's say if it's if it's me and it's Lucian and I don't know, Anna Blackmon and uh, Sky in our chat here. So we have four mm-hmm. people and the monster. And I say, I'm going to go first. And so then I go. I get to pick who goes next. So I pick uh, Anna, and then Anna picks Lucian, and then Lucian picks Sky. Well, now the only person who hasn't gone is the monster. So Sky has to pick the monster, but because it's the start of a new round, the monster, the monster goes twice. So yeah. it goes for this round, and then it starts the next round. So that's really interesting because you can you can manipulate, like, well, I want to go and you want to go, and then... Uh, but if everybody's trying to like, oh, you know what? If we gang up on, on him and kill this monster really fast, but then if you don't, all of a sudden, uh, that monster gets to go two Two times back to back (laughs) and it's still fair, but going back to back is huge for uh, a monster or a player because you can pull off some interesting combos that way. And I I like that. It's, it's sad because there's a lot of things that are like, but I have a high dex. I have a high uh you know initiative i want to be able to use that or i'm yeah, a, I, I get an ability our wizard applies his intelligence to his uh yeah. initiative so it kind of takes away those abilities but yeah. boy do i think it's a lot more fun like, my twilight cleric gives can give 
uh, advantage on initiative yeah. rolls. See, person. So that so would go away. So you lose away. those abilities, which I, I don't want to take those away, but boy, yeah. I like the idea of this popcorn initiative. The more I think about it, I was like, I, I'm going to yeah. do that in the future. So. so you just give them something else that's, you know, if you take an ability away, give an ability. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's the thing. And work with the player to say, hey, I'm gonna. there's going to be this one cool thing you can't do. Because I took Goodberries away in um, Revenor also because yeah. I thought that was just – I wanted a game about survival and having to find food and shelter and stuff. And it just didn't work if all of a sudden the Druid took Goodberry because they knew my game was about yeah. survival. So I was like, nope, taking that right out. Doesn't and work. that's also a good point. Uh, Kugo is in our Eberron game. We're marking rations and stuff, which is the first yeah. time that I've really played a game where we've done that. And he said, you know, like, like think of rations as just like dried jerky. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it'll sustain you, but it's not good. Uh, and so he said that there will be rewards for buying really nice meals in towns. There will yeah. be rewards for finding fresh fruit in the forest kind of a thing. Uh, and there will be hindrances if you just rely on rations. And I thought I like that was that. cool. And I don't know the mechanics of it yet, but I like that idea of, and I, I would think Goodberry is the same way. Like if you eat mm-hmm. nothing but conjured food, you're going to have some kind wrong. of magical problem later yeah. on. But like, it, it's going to keep you alive. Like it's better than starving to death, but it, mm-hmm. and it might taste really good, but how nourishing is this? You know, are you going to get some exhaustion levels or something? Uh, really opened my eyes to that because I do think that that is uh, way too powerful. And, undermine not too powerful i shouldn't say that but it undermines a lot of class abilities about foraging for food sure and you have barbarians you have rangers you have all these people that can go out and find food in Mm -hmm. the right uh area that it's like well that's really sad if they don't get to utilize that because i can just cast good berry and we're fine you know Mm -hmm. but if you there's consequences from too much good berry that's what i like so yeah that's (laughs) what should be added yeah yeah i think there should be more status effects that are slight disadvantages or minuses to what you're doing and not big. So we have the normal stuff. Um, and like you said, exhaustion levels are cool, but it'd be nice to have just small negatives that could happen too. like, um, you know, slowing of your movement rate might be a good one. Um, maybe, maybe you do get a, a disadvantage on initiative rolls because you've been eating good berry all the time or something yeah. or, or something like that. You start to get scurvy and now you need, oranges you know or yeah whatever. or what if uh you know night uh, dark vision is out to 60 feet for a lot of creatures what if your day yeah. vision was now out to 60 feet right and, you right. know yeah, your you eyes are getting blurry vision. you can't see yeah. very far you're just like i need a you know it's not it's not about a good rest like yeah gosh i need a steak it's about nutrition <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so not I, that I like steaks are healthy I, I don't mean to say anything well, like that i just how dare so, you we're having There's a barbecue later subscriber. i bought some steaks so that's what's on my mind <laughs> Now I'm hungry. Good job. What about Jordan's games? Though that was my game. That was an interesting thing that popped up. And I thought from both a dungeon master and a player perspective, the idea of somebody losing their turn for an entire evening through uh, just bad rolls, because it's going to happen every now and then you're going to string together bad rolls. And And I think that's the game that, you know, and, and that's, I I equate that with like character death. Like, it sucks to lose your character. Like it really does. Mm-hmm. And like, it sucks to be completely useless in a fight. Uh, but we need those also. Cause then the next time you're going to save everybody with like a clutch teleportation or something, you know? And so, yeah, uh, I don't know. You need, you got to take the bad with the good. And 
Uh, and it does suck. I yeah, that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been there. But it's kind of the same thing with uh, with death or or weird things like uh, uh, I watched a I watched a video a long time ago where a, a character failed a, a save on a curse or something, and they aged fifty years. And yeah. you wouldn't you'd be like, well, I don't know, that's kind of like okay, but like she was human, and she was just like, I'm not like I'm not okay with my character looking like this now. Like, can I reverse that? And they're like. You know, and now you're old. Like, <laughs> and there wasn't a lot of like uh, mechanical problems with that, but like she was not not happy. Not that, happy. Yeah, yeah. And it was almost like in, a uh, character death. You know? So because yeah, you're not playing yeah. the character you want to play anymore, you know. So and it was forced on you. Yeah, and yeah, no, that's the thing. It was a forced. Yeah, you were like, yeah. I didn't know that I was going to do this. It wasn't well, my my the, action, yeah. or I guess it would be in that case, but yeah, if it's not your, if you have no agency. It gets taken away from you. I think that's the part that can be yeah. a little trouble because the game is about agency. Yeah. So if you don't get it, then what are we playing? <laughs> so. Um, yeah. So I we I did not play Thursday night's game uh, because I went to a birthday party instead. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did play on my Friday game with Kugo, and and this Kugo. is something that I wanted to talk to you about, Lucian. Is we did. Uh, I missed last Friday's show because of the Forgotten Realms Magic the Gathering launch. Um, But Kugo messaged me and he's like, hey, do you want to do a one-on-one session to kind of like catch you up? And I was like, all right. I've never, and I've never done this. Mm -hmm. And so we did one-on-one D&D. We didn't stream it. I think he recorded it maybe for his uh, Patreon podcast kind of a thing. Uh, But it was a lot of fun. And I was not, I wasn't, like dreading it by any means, but I was thinking like, ah, whatever. Uh, but as a player, I've never been so engaged because it was all about me. And it reminded me of being a dungeon master because I was engaged the whole time. And one of the reasons I like being a dungeon master is that I am engaged the whole time because I'm listening to everybody and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. When I'm a player, I find that I, I, yeah, I I check out every once in a while because I'm like, well, it's not my turn. Or like, Twitter. oh, I'm I'm asleep, or oh, I'm in the other room. Okay, and I, and, you know, and I'm like, whatever. And, and you're paying attention, but like, am I? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this was really interesting, and so as a single uh, player, uh, Zix the Goblin, I we were right up next to the Mornland Wall, um, and I ran really close to it because I saw something familiar, and I did some investigations. I saw some some footprints, and then we went. I I went into a tunnel. And I met a soldier from Seer, who Seer is the country that got Mornland, got destroyed during the Great Morning. You got Mornland. Yeah. <laughs> I want I that met, t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I met this uh, soldier, and we were, and I started talking to him, trying to figure out who he was. And Jordan knew who he was, but, like, Zix wouldn't know what a Seer soldier kind of looked like. Yeah. And so we were going back and forth, and then he started aging incredibly fast the more we got away from the Mornland. And I was trying to protect him. And again, in Zick's mind, I think the idea was like, oh, it's hurting you. I got to get you away from this evil Mornland thing. But mm-hmm. the further I pulled him out until the point where I almost got him out of the tunnel into the sunshine and he just like collapsed and kind of, uh, uh, I said, uh, the Indiana Jones, he chose the wrong grail and just kind of yeah. like fell apart. Yeah. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was really interesting to go through that on a single thing. And it was about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. We kind of just mm-hmm. chatted. Uh, but it was super fun. Have you done solo D&D? 
Like I've done one to do that same thing you're talking about, catch somebody up or get them ready if they're going to be joining the campaign mm-hmm. and taking somebody else's place. So I wanted them to have at least a little bit of in the shoes of their character, and then that would let them jump in. And I haven't done it often, but I have done it, and I I do like it. There's something to a really small, intimate um, session. They don't seem to need to be as long because you can get so much done in that when you're both kind of interacting. So yeah. there's a lot that can happen. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need to plan a four-hour session for that person. But it is fun to say, let's go see what your character's doing or let's see what your character is doing just before they get here or let's see what happens when you guys were separate. Or if you were separate, um, I think I had my guys in prison at one point and the group escaped, but one was captured. And I did a session with the guy in the prison and then there was the, and then they came back to rescue. So there yeah. was a whole other thing there. So there was, you know, a lot was going on there too. So I thought that was really fun. I encourage trying it. Um, and I probably should use it more because I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I kind of want to use it more too. I also like the idea that your games had where you had the Discord chat so they could kind of like role play throughout the week. To God, do they stuff. would role play a lot too. Yeah, yeah, they'd be, I, their characters would be talking to each other in the taverns and they'd be, and they'd be going on different adventures, but then they'd come back and they'd role play on the Discord quite a yeah. bit, which was fun. And that Very was kind of, yeah, just having having a digital tavern like, yeah. like if I was running a game and you were running a game, but it was in the same universe. Same and so world. our players could be like, oh, well, I went and did this over here. And then I tell you like, hey, they're going to go check out that that dungeon, it looks like. Yeah, that would yeah, be a yeah. lot of fun. We just found these ruins and somebody was like, well, maybe we should go go see them. Because they would bring rumors back too. That was the yeah, other thing. That's really I, cool. We would roll for rumor tables. We would roll to explore the map. And in that tavern they would draw the hex crawl map on the tavern table. So all the adventurers who went to this tavern table could look at the tavern table and say, Oh, so that group went over there and they found um, a river. looks like it forks into two different directions. They fought some, they found like some type of ghost village. Maybe we should go over there and then go a little bit further and see what we find. Yeah. You know, so that was, that was kind of the atmosphere I was trying to build with that, um, that tavern so that was really cool i love i love that whole concept <laughs> i stole it for sure I, i'm pretty sure i read it in a book somewhere um it's not like i just came up with it but yeah you know, those, that's a cool thing to have you know all the the map is etched into a giant table inside the adventurers tavern and it was the adventurers had their own tavern and they hung out with each other and that was fine but then the rest of the town had their taverns and adventurers weren't really welcome in those other taverns they mm. were like they were pointed back you should go back to your tavern mm. <laughs> you adventurous folk <laughs> too fun um yeah so i'm playing those friday night games uh and then i have the thursday game that didn't happen uh but the big news is that i'm going forward with uh modular d6 testing and nice. so I've got a I've got a couple of OSR adventures that I'm going to adapt, and we're gonna we're gonna sit down and play. Um, so the it's going to be Saturday night, starting in August, so next week. And I've got a Tomorrow. handful <laughs> handful of people uh, interested. And what we're going to do is, uh, if you can make it that night, I'm going to kind of like work people in and out, and we're going to see how oh, this cool. functions. So I think I'm going to consistently play. Um, at least every other week, but if I can pull it off every week, I think would be good and mm-hmm. really like fine tune these rules and then uh, work on building like a little campaign setting or maybe incorporating it into um, our vertical hex crawl as well. I also think that would be a, just a good place to 
play it too. And I can like play around with it there. So I'm really excited to do that in August and going forward. Um, and then for those of you who are curious, I, I'm working on more Demon Lore videos for the main channel, but I am also planning an old school essentials review for the Jocular Junction channel. And if you haven't subscribed to that, you should. Uh, plus uh, Mutant Crawl Classics and a bunch more DCC stuff. So uh, I just I just need more times in the day, less sleep. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my that's what's going on in my life, and I'm just kind of. You are busy. Working and writing, and today I'm having a Magic the Gathering day because uh, friends are coming over for a barbecue, and we're just going to eat barbecue and play Magic the Gathering, yeah. and it's going to be really And then last exciting. week was Gloomhaven, and yeah. you're doing a bunch of that. And Lots of stuff. <laughs> Gloomhaven, yeah, we kind of play it when we get to it, but uh, that's a fun game. That's a really fun game. I'm a, I'm a, I actually died in the last Gloomhaven game, but uh, it's it's kind of bittersweet because if you if you die, there's no bringing somebody back in the game, but you're not out of the game entirely. So I died pretty early in our Gloomhaven, like, fight. And mm -hmm. since you can't bring someone back, like, they had to just win it without me, which they did, so I still get the experience and stuff, but not as much as them. But it's, like, really disheartening to be like, I, I couldn't save you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, anyway. I died too soon. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, an August episode. Uh, crazy to think about that. Lots of times flying. July just went patty really fast. Yeah, yeah. We're eighth month of this year. Pretty soon we'll be in the 22 year. Who yeah, and then uh, <laughs> we'll have craziness. Jordan birthday coming up. So exciting. Uh, but yeah, thanks guys much for watching and hanging out with us. We will see you guys all on the next episode of the Saturday Morning D&D &D Show. Take care.